Perhaps you have heard about the recent story that was run by Rolling Stone and The Guardian and the BBC and Yahoo News, I think even CNN, about a doctor in Oklahoma that claimed a local hospital was so overrun with people suffering from ivermectin poisoning that it was turning away gunshot victims. Ivermectin, if you are unaware, is an anti-parasitic drug that is used to treat river blindness and intestinal roundworm infection in humans and to deworm pets and livestock. Lotions and creams containing ivermectin are also used to treat head lice and rosacea. It has been recently tested to see if it might have some benefit in treating COVID, but the current data is inconclusive and the medical establishment, by and large, is skeptical about its benefits. Even so, some people have been obtaining ivermectin, both the version for people, actually getting it from medical doctors, but also the version for horses, attempting to use it as an alternative to the vaccine. It has caused some people to become sick, with roughly 500 people nationwide being poisoned from it with relatively mild symptoms, as I understand it. Perhaps some of those people have been hospitalized because they were taking a dosage specifically intended for horses. Perhaps. Well, as it would turn out, the story about the Oklahoma doctor was false. And as can be expected, right-leaning media outlets immediately pounced on the story as proof that the left-leaning media is not just biased, but lying to us. The problem, though, with the right's response is that they didn't bother to check all the facts either. And in the rush to have a, a gotcha kind of moment, they got some of their reporting wrong too. As Dr. Scott Alexander on his Astral Codex 10 blog argues, he posts like these, both on the right and the left, are too good to check. That is, they immediately appeal to our biases and confirm our worst gut suspicions about those we already distrust, and so we don't bother to check to see if the stories are true or not. Of course they're true. How could they not be true? He describes the problem via what he calls the law of rationalist irony. He writes, The smugger, that is, the more smug you become, you feel, the smugger you feel about having caught a bias in, in someone else, the more likely you are falling victim, victim to that bias right now in whatever way would be most embarrassing. And you know exactly how this works. You're watching Fox News or doom scrolling on Facebook and something comes up that shows you just how stupid, evil, asinine, nefarious, or ridiculous your opponents really are. The headline grabs your attention. You click the link. You respond just how the headline intended you to respond. Man, those people are morons. What idiots. What liars. Our country is going to hell in a handbasket because of people just like this. As Matt Taibbi, a former journalist with Rolling Stone, argues in his new book, Hate Incorporated, this is how modern media companies, both on the left and the right, both with media giants on the left like, say, the New York Times and on the right with Fox News, this is how they make money. This is how they keep us invested, how they keep us coming back by generating outrage, fear, hand-wringing, and, of course, hate. Modern media isn't so much interested in the truth 
or the public good, and when they are, it's often hard to tell, so much as they are keeping you engaged with what they are selling. And before you know what's happened, you have believed something that you can't possibly prove is true or false. But it doesn't matter because it's too good to check. You feel better about yourself, your place in the world, the righteousness of your tribe, and the obvious stupidity of your opponents, and yet you are not one whit closer to knowing what is actually true or false. The irony of this is that Scott Alexander's blog functioned exactly like this for me. I love it when both the left and the right are shown to be completely fudging data to bolster their position. I love those kind of gotcha pieces because I absolutely distrust corporations like the New York Times and Fox News. So when I find pieces that show just how bad they are, well, I go for them hook, line, and sinker. Did I bother to take Alexander's advice and actually check if his account is true? No. That's why I've rewritten this post four times already and removed an earlier audio version of this post from the podcast link. Why say all this? Well, when it comes to living in a highly politicized global pandemic and making decisions for local institutions like First Presbyterian Church, it's hard to know what the right decision actually is. It's very difficult to know what is accurate information and what is disinformation, especially when virtually everything related to COVID has been weaponized for political and financial gain. So for example, I've read credible, well-educated researchers that argue that masks are helpful. And other researchers who are just as credible and well-educated that argue that masks are not helpful. The arguments for and against are nuanced, context-dependent, data-driven, and well, frankly, they're a bit beyond my pay grade. This should not be disconcerting to us. It's simply how science works. You know, anyone who expects the scientific enterprise to be monolithic and uniform in its views has believed the hubris often preached by scientists themselves, that science is the ultimate arbiter of truth and will eventually get things right. History and experience shows this to be false. Researchers get some things right, other things wrong. They disagree with each other and are limited in their understanding just like everybody else. Honestly, I, I simply do not know how effective masks are and in what context, though they seem to be working pretty well for dentists and people working in spaces like the ICU, but again, what do I know? I'm the wrong kind of doctor for giving advice about this stuff, and my opinion counts for nothing. And you know what? Rightly so. The issue of whether or not to get vaccinated is is more nuanced than what data sets might reveal about the safety and efficacy of the vaccines themselves. You know, some groups simply do not trust the federal government, particularly lower class whites and blacks who can point to government experimentation within living memory on people just like them. And of course, Biden's recent statement on mandatory vaccination further confirms this to them. And so they are skeptical and resistant. Other groups speak in terms of faith. I believe in science and have made the vaccine into a kind of litmus test of whether someone is an educated and therefore enlightened individual. Still others reduce the issue to predictably 
political party jingoism. You know, personally, I went back and forth on the vaccine and ultimately decided to get it because I did not want to be quarantined and miss work if I came into contact with someone who was infected. That reason, and it's not the only reason I have, but it's the main one. Well, it's not based on science or politics or faith, but on pragmatics. As a solo pastor, it's tough to get men I trust to fill the pulpit in my absence. And can I say this was ultimately a good reason or should be the definitive one? Hardly, but it was what convinced me to go ahead and it may turn out to be a bad reason, or maybe not. You know, Again, I'm the wrong kind of doctor for making these sorts of arguments, and you should take my opinion with a grain of salt. Do you see my point here? Making decisions in a highly politicized global pandemic is hard, and what we don't want to do is reduce our thinking to a too-good-to-check mentality that conforms to our personal preferences. In fact, part of the reason I've rewritten this post so many times is that my personal views kept creeping in as definitive statements on issues that I'm not qualified to make. Well, the session of First Presbyterian Church makes decisions carefully, even as most, not all of us, but most of us, have zero experience in healthcare. None of us are scientists or work in a lab. We read the same internet that you do. We have a range of differing views on these issues just as you do. We are just as affected by the same too good to check headlines as you are, and we know it. Even so, it is our role to make decisions for the church, and instead of necessarily going with our gut or whatever link to whatever video, we have instead tried to make our decisions related to the pandemic based on local experts that we know and trust. Experts who are Christians, are friends, and are currently working on the front lines of the pandemic. It is impossible to make decisions without putting your trust in someone or something, and given how hard these decisions are, we've decided to listen to experts in our community working on the front lines. So here's the boots on the ground reality as told to us by those people. The hospital is slammed and people have been dying. Many, if not most of the people who are seriously sick are unvaccinated and were often unhealthy to begin with. People who are vaccinated are still getting sick, but it's much less severe. People are on ventilators, and some people have been in the hospital for a month. So in light of this data, here's what the session is asking of the church. First, we are not telling anyone to get vaccinated or not to get vaccinated. That's not our job. We don't tell you to wear seatbelts or brush your teeth or to exercise either. Feel free to ask our opinions on this. And again, there's a range of views on the sessions about all this stuff. But the choice is yours to make. We will never make a public proclamation on such a thing, nor require vaccine records or negative tests for entry into the church. Never. Mold the evidence for and against vaccines for yourself. Second, we are not mandating that anyone wear a mask to church for the same reasons I just mentioned. However, 
As we did over a year ago, we are again politely asking that you consider wearing a mask to church. I'm going to wear one in church while I'm out of the pulpit. In the pulpit, I will not wear one as it hinders my ability to speak and lead the service. If you decide not to wear a mask, that is your right, and no one in leadership will try to bind your conscience. Our concern is for those at risk among us, even as we recognize the diversity of expert opinions on the efficacy of masks. Personally, I'd much rather be the butt of jokes over this stuff, be called names over this stuff, than face the potential of doing a premature funeral for one of you. We're shutting down Sunday school. This is the third thing. We are shutting down Sunday school till September 26 with the hopes that the Delta variant will have run its course and died down. Now, there's no guarantee of this, but that's our hope. Fourth, the men's study will shut down till the 29th for the same reason. This material is just its too good and too important to do the study over Zoom, and I'd rather wait and work through the book in person because I believe it is critical to our development as men in the church. Well, these are clearly trying times, and as the pastor of this church, I don't want to shut down anything, especially when it feels like we're starting to build a little momentum. Even so, we trust that God is at work, and we ask that you continue to come to worship as you are able, that you patiently endure with the session's decisions, whether you agree with them or not, and we understand that you might not, and that you would be in prayer for this church and our community.